Welcome to the Mojo Mecca. We are a media, wellness and artistry hub that is in celebration of the earth. Inspired to live in a mindful, health-filled way. Humbled by the depths of inner exploration and the power of practicing daily ritual. In love with the beauty of cultures worldwide and the adventurous nature of travel and dedicated to a life of heart-centeredness, purposeful pursuits, and a whole lot of mojo. So welcome back to the podcast. Um, It's been quite a few months since we have done a proper conversation interview on here. Um, It was quite unintentional, although... Um, it has been, you know, quite intense few months, I guess, for everyone collectively. So um, it was kind of good to take a bit of a pause and um, just come back with a bit of fresh energy and um, new inspiration. And um, yeah, there's a few more beautiful interviews coming up soon. So I guess this is the beginning of a new series or season on the Mojo Mecca podcast. So yeah, it feels really good to be back in the swing of things. And so this conversation is between me and an amazing woman who I'm blessed to know and consider a friend. Um, her name is Sophie Kreisch and we've known each other for a few years, but it was really beautiful to have the opportunity to dive in deeper with her um, on her work and her passion Um, So at the heart of it all, she is motivated by nature-based proactive solutions to what our planet is currently experiencing, which is um, a crisis ecologically and also in terms of climate. So through, you know, years of study and experience um, from activism to teaching to farming and business development, Sophie has continually approached this (laughs) poignant question of how humans can reconnect to nature's systems in order to regenerate our landscapes. And which I also think is really poignant. She also explores the psychological reasoning and the sociological reasoning too behind humanity's misuse and destruction of their own habitat. So this conversation also serves as a way of giving insight into the not-for-profit organization that Sophie is currently working for. Um, It's called Greenfleet. So Greenfleet is an Australian not-for-profit that grows native biodiverse forests that help to offset people's carbon emissions. Um, Sophie is a woman who began her studies in permaculture and then continued on to production horticulture and then (laughs) continued on again to study a Bachelor of Environment and Society um, at RMIT in Melbourne, which she graduated with high distinction. So I guess she's someone who studied very deeply into the intellectual side of um, what is happening 
um, within the environment and the current state that we find ourselves in um, in relation to it. And then also she just has such a really beautiful, um, grounded and um, reverent respect for nature too. So I feel like she marries the two very beautifully and she just articulates all of these things in a really um, potent way. So I will leave it here and I'll just let you dive into this conversation um, yourself and I hope you receive all that you need from it. So hi, my name is Sophie and I began my study journey actually um, as a response or a reaction to growing up in a city and going to a high school that was in the middle of the city in a high rise building in the middle of Sydney. And I had a, a moment when I was around 18 and close to graduating where I realized that I felt like a really pathetic animal because I had no idea what it took to survive or to to support my own existence. So um, as a response to that, I moved to Byron Bay, as every good 18 year old does post schoolies and post having a wonderful time in Byron. Um, and I started learning about permaculture and um, production horticulture and regenerative agriculture and really kind of drilling down into nature's systems and cycles and and how the waste for one process becomes a food and fuel for the next and I was really inspired by this the promise that nature offers for regenerative life if waste and um, in that way energy is managed efficiently so um, yeah so agriculture was a really big inspiration of mine um, until I guess I reached a little bit of a of a breaking point where I realized that um, I could only affect so much on my hands and knees in the dirt planting acres and acres and acres of vegetables. So I decided to turn my sights on university and I found a really great degree that incorporated environmental development and sociology. So the premise of this degree in environmental sociology was to look at the priority sets that govern the way that humans in this modern age utilize and essentially abuse our natural world. Why is it that we feel entitled to usurp or claim ultimate control over nature and use the resources for whatever means it is we feel are necessary. Because in a way, it's really the most counterintuitive thing we could ever do because we are doing it now to the detriment of our own lives. So at what point did we really fall out of sync and out of respect and out of humility with nature's rhythms and cycles and limitations that we thought we could essentially play God. Although I think God would do it a lot better. So um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really insightful course that looked into um, politics and international development, quote unquote, um, and environmental science and, and sociology and, and knitted and glued it all together to give us this kind of comprehensive 
context, I say comprehensive, it's still obviously within the bounds of um, Western thinking, which, you know, has its, its limitations that aren't always acknowledged. Um, but yeah, from, from that perspective of, of university, it gave us a comprehensive insight into where we were, which in one hand, on, on one hand, was really insightful and empowering and it made me feel very motivated. And on the other hand, you know, on, on an off day, I felt incredibly overwhelmed with the circumstance that we find ourselves in. And um, I had definitely my fair share of climate anxiety and just emotional burnout and just, I guess, um, yeah, just, just hitting my head against a wall and just not really understanding how we were going to be able to find our way out of it. Um, and then towards the end of the degree in my last semester, um, we had to find a work placement. And I thought really long and hard as to where I wanted to, where I, where I found hope amidst everything that I knew and everything that I had learned about, where was an element that I found was hopeful and generative. And as often stories um, unfold, I ended up coming right back to where I started and remembered that my interest and, and the place that I found hope was in nature, in the resilience of nature. And all I really realized that I wanted to do was, was play my part in restoring nature. So I found a really wonderful organization called Greenfleet. Um, they're a company that I work for now. I was very fortunate to be offered a role with them after I did my internship. But um, yeah, I, I was really drawn to, to Greenfleet because they restore native forests in Australia and New Zealand. And I found that to be the most hopeful, practical and tangible climate action that, that I could see or, and, and that I felt personally drawn to. Um, yeah, I'm now working for Greenfleet. So Greenfleet's an amazing organization. I, I feel like I can still enthusi enthusiastically um, represent them from my, my own personal kind of point of, of enthusiasm and, and pride in what they do. Um, so Greenfleet is an organization who plant native biodiverse forests as carbon offsets. So we have a whole host of individual and corporate supporters who um, come to us with a, a varying degree of things that they might like to offset, whether it be their electricity or their um, hybrid vehicles or their four-wheel drives or um, flights, or uh, we now have a, a new comprehensive annual offset product that um, allows uh, an Australian or an individual rather to offset the enti their entire emissions for a year. Um, so what Greenfleet does is we, um, we operate in the voluntary market. So everybody who chooses to offset with us does so because they feel compelled to, not because um, it's uh, been mandated or um, you know, it, it's not a part of, um, it's, it's often not a part of corporate social responsibility or environmental responsibility. Our supporters are, are, are really incredible and, and very um, 
very enthusiastic about about their support for us so um, they come to us and they let us know what they'd like to offset and then we plant the corresponding amount of native and biodiverse trees to sequester which is to draw out of the atmosphere um, the equivalent amount of carbon for whatever it is they might like to offset so because Greenfleet has been operating for such a long time, we've been in the business for 22 years. We have now, thanks to our the unwavering support of, of so many of our supporters, we've managed to plant 500 forests over Australia and New Zealand, um, which amounts to 9.4 million trees and about 3.4 4 million tonnes of carbon dioxide that's been sequestered from the atmosphere. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's already quite the legacy. Some our oldest forests are now 22 years old, which is wonderful to think about that none of these forests would have existed if it weren't for the support and um, the, the enthusiasm of our, of our varied supporters, our great network. Um, and our forests are all protected up to 100 years with um, what we call a carbon on title agreement. So basically it uh, protects the forests on the title of the property for up to 100 years. So even if the property gets sold, um, that forest has to, has to remain to be protected, which means that these native forests get to mature to the point that they are able to facilitate habitat and food and nourishment to all of the, the, the flora that might also find its way there and also the fauna, the animals that, um, that find habitat in these, in these native forests. We don't only plant native forests, we plant endemic forests. So that means that the forests are very specific to the bioregions and the areas where we plant them. So because we plant all around Australia, um, we don't have one set of um, foresters um, who plant. We, we actually hire private contractors, which is really awesome because it means that it, um, it provides a lot of regional employ employment in areas where, you know, employment might be a little harder to generate. So um, yeah, we have like, professional contractors who plant most of our forests and also then, um, you know, we support and, and uh, receive the trees from a whole lot of regional nurseries as well who, who grow the seeds of um, the trees and, and grow the saplings in each uh, region as well. Um, and then once a year, we have um, individual planting days for our individual supporters in a couple of different cities around Australia and um, some corporate planting days as well for uh, the same, same cities in Australia. So we do have a whole lot of, um, yeah, really enthusiastic, as I said, supporters who love our work and love to physically plant the trees as well. So we do have quite a few forests now um, that have been planted out by, physically by our supporters, but a, a big a majority of, of our forests get planted by um, contractors in regional areas. Amazing. Um, I would love to speak to, I guess, the kind of broader movement that's happening here, where, as you said, I guess, it's it's reaching, you know, corporate interests and, and, and these, yeah, corporations and organisations that, that perhaps 
aren't, you know, were created with, with any of this in mind, you know, any sort of regenerative or like offsetting <laughs> in mind. Um, yeah, I'd love to kind of hear from your perspective, like, uh, yeah, that broader movement that's happening towards that, the offsetting of, of what we are consuming and what we are destroying and, and like why you feel, you know, this particular era and, and like generation is, is seeing that because obviously, you know, we know everything is really like reaching a, a global kind of awareness about, you know, our consumption levels. And I feel like, yeah, I, I know on the individual level too, it's really reaching people and, and they're questioning themselves and questioning, you know, how they live their lives. And um, yeah, I'd love for you to just, just speak to that and how, um, yeah, how it is really gaining a lot of momentum in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I did touch on briefly that towards the end of my degree, I, I felt a lot of despondency and a lot of what's now been considered um, to be climate anxiety. Um, and so working at Greenfleet has really, has been really deeply nourishing in terms of feeling the hope that not only is facilitated by Greenfleet, but that is is taken up by so many enthusiastic and dedicated supporters. So I, I guess that, you know, Greenfleet's mission is, is to grow hope. And if it, it's done anything for me personally, it's, it's been to just generate that amount of hope because like you say, there is, there's a growing awareness, you know, and unfortunately uh, the devastating fires that we experienced over the, this last summer really, I think, brought home to people how important it is that we protect, restore, and, and do our best to regenerate this beautiful natural environment that we enjoy so much. Um, and, and just to be reminded as to how fragile it really is. So I think, you know, offsetting is an industry that that can get quite a lot of um, bad press. And honestly, I, I think in, in many situations, it's justified where, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of tree planting um, can be actually, if it's, if it's monoculture, um, it can actually have quite detrimental impacts on waterways. And if the trees are to be harvested, you know, quite quickly for timber and in, in a few years, then, that that rapid turnover has a really strong impact on on soil health and and on um, water usage and these kinds of things. So we do really emphasize and prioritize establishing re-establishing native forests that have a holistic impact, beneficial impact on um, the lands that they're planted from. Uh, holding and and creating and generating topsoil and um, purifying and and um, attracting and and creating water in in the way of evaporation and um, yeah and and creating habitat and a whole lot of the other co-benefits um, so I think that that's a really positive thing as well is that a lot of our supporters have identified that um, the the biodiverse the biodiversity is is a strong point of importance and and a, a similar and an, an aligned ethic with Greenfleet um, that they're choosing to 
to to support with with their with their offsets so yeah i mean i'm not quite sure if that answered your question or if it was um a bit of a long-winded response but i we definitely are noticing and especially after the fires a, a really great increase in support unfortunately from from a really shocking event that made people realize how how fragile and how important our environment is to protect but you know because of the the nature of operating in the voluntary market nobody who offsets with us needs to but they all choose to and that's such an inspiring um i guess collective effort to be a part of mm -hmm. and i i think it's probably a for better or worse like some human condition of only you know um really seeing and learning things um from that <laughs> intense destructive kind of place you know like if something really intense and destructive has happened then then we tend to actually get that wake up call and actually you know make a change or um put action towards things which yeah oftentimes like can be maybe too late <laughs> but um <laughs> i think yeah we uh, although yeah it has been such an intense year for for this country um i think it has woken up yeah as you say a lot of hearts and minds to really understand um a more regenerative way forward <laughs> to be honest and um i guess like for someone let's just say someone yeah young like me i haven't even within as you said like the offsetting you know of that we see through offsetting flights and things like that like i i tend to not opt for that because i'm not sure entirely like as you said like where that goes and and to be able to like actually trust that you know that offsetting is is really like working um so yeah, yeah so i guess um i'd love to hear how um yeah young people like like me can can become involved in that and like consistently um yeah more aware of how we can offset our um our consumption you know from a from a place that yeah is also kind of accessible to the um, millennial generation who do care but maybe don't have as much like you know behind them to to kind of like consistently um yeah support and do that work yeah it's it's a really great question and it's something that i had no idea about until i um directed some of my studies towards it when i was at uni so i feel lucky to have looked into it because it was really the idea of offsetting was a really confusing notion to me so i guess um firstly i just wanted to start by saying that it's always better to reduce and um, you know, limit our emissions and consumption to the best degree that we can, because there is no replacement for something like an old growth forest. Offsetting should never be an excuse for consumption um, because it's just, you know, it doesn't work like that. It's just offsetting, I believe is, is, um, is there for, the emissions that we can't avoid. So, um, you know, like a lot of people live rurally or um, far away from their, from their employment, 
and um, they need a car to travel to and from work. And, you know, maybe in an ideal world, we would all have vehicles that used reverse magnetism and had no emissions um, at all as a part of their um, functioning. But even still, I mean, you know, the materials have emissions related. So there, there is, there's an unavoidable amount of emissions um, that are, I, I guess, that we, that we can't avoid by virtue of living in the system that we live in. So offsetting is for um, the emissions that we can't really do anything about. Um, so that's, I think, an important place to start because um, offsetting has gotten a bit of a bad rap because in many situations it has just been used as essentially a license to consume. So if you have the means, then um, you can just kind of like pay for the impact, um, the environmental impact and, you know, because um, as as a, a globalized world or as like a, a the the priority sets of the Western um, paradigm haven't acknowledged the environmental impacts for a long time, so we're we're at a bit of a a bit we're at a lot of a a, a debt we we have we're in debt to our environment to a great degree. So basically, there's there's no um, there's not too many trees that we could plant there's there's no um we could be doing as much as possible and it, it still um we could still be doing more essentially um so offsetting is a really great place to start to acknowledge um and and respond to the emissions that we can't avoid and just to give a little bit of insight into offsetting and like you mentioned you know offsetting the flights and what does that really mean and it's all it's all a little um it's, it's all a little confusing so i'll start by explaining that there are generally two different kinds of offsets one um, is a mitigation offset that aims to reduce the amount of emissions that might be um uh, sent into the atmosphere. So one example of this, I'm not sure if you've heard of projects like cooktops in Ghana, where um, uh, cooktops are distributed in um, low-income families uh, so that uh, that have um, lower emissions associated with them. So instead of uh, using wood-fired um, uh, burners and, uh, yeah, sorry, cooktops, um, then they might come in and, and offer a, a different kind of cooktop that has uh, fewer carbon emissions when um, it's lit. So that's it. That's an example of avoided mit emissions or um, a mitigation offset. And then there are um, sequestration offsets, and that relates to planting trees, or I'm not sure if you've heard of blue carbon, it got popularized in um, the 2040 film, where that relates to growing um, seaweed or anything, uh, any plants in and, in and around the ocean um, that sequester carbon in, in an ocean setting. Um, and then, yeah, and then tree planting. So there's even, as I mentioned prior, there are a million different ways to grow a tree. It's always better to grow a tree than not. Um, but in saying that some trees will thrive in certain locations where others won't. And, um, you know, if, if the trees are getting planted for the purpose of forestry, then that's not ecological restoration. So 
there, there are many different variations in, in each category of mitigating the emissions and um, sequestering existing carbon emissions. So, um, yeah, without going too much into the complexities of what is, you know, it's, it's a market-driven system, um, it's an international system as well, that is the offsetting industry. Um, so where, uh, for instance, um, you know, an, an airline, uh, I think they often do mitigation offsets and often in an international setting. Um, Greenfleet offers offsets that are specifically related to sequestration and more specifically to native regeneration, which is, um, it's a real rarity in Australia because I think it's a lot, it's a lot cheaper um, to do work internationally. Um, so it's Greenfleet really prioritizes kind of bringing the action onto our home soil and um, repairing and, and restoring the, the native environments that have been really, um, unfortunately, really, really damaged and impaired post-colonial arrival. Mm -hmm energetically obviously there there has been this like um quickening happening to you know after colonialization and and um industrialization of of the the planet and then it it's somehow i think in the last few years i mean i've noticed it i don't obviously this is probably not everyone's reality but there seems to be like a more and more of a disheartening within like the capitalist world like people are starting perhaps it's like veils being lifted or you know just um realizing that it that living in in that environment i'm talking about kind of a you know a cityscape sort of environment like a really like urban environment while it can be i'm only speaking from personal experience obviously but like it's yeah it's cool and fun up into a point but on a long long-term basis it can have like very detrimental effects to the human body, especially people who are uh, living in, in, in a, apartments and things like that, that, that don't even touch the ground. And when they do touch the ground, it's concrete, not earth. Like, um, mm. So uh, yeah, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is, yeah, I, I've seen, well, within myself and, and um, other people speak out about it a lot more, um, a kind of, yeah, like a bit, a bit of a disheartening around like that sort of living or, or an inclination towards moving to more natural places. But obviously, mm -hmm. so, simultaneously, there's, you know, so much urban development still going on. And, um, and I guess, yeah, there, there are also obviously amazing city environments that, that do really like harness still the, the you know the power of nature and you know with community gardens and with like still being able to like grow things but i yeah it definitely i'm just curious how it's going to continue to unfold really like over the next you know 20 30 mm -hmm. years are, are we going to see people more and more moving out of the city environment um you know into like yeah having a, a bit more land for themselves or um, like, yeah, how, how do you see that sort of movement happening? Because obviously while you were studying too, you were in the city and, and now you've mm -hmm. kind of already yourself chosen to move more rural. Um, like what was that choice like for you and, and 
yeah, have you experienced like with, with friends and, and colleagues and stuff, just feeling that, that pull to move more closer to nature or just to, to have a bit of wider space and natural environment around them? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a great question. Um, and obviously, like you, I can only speak from my own personal experience, which is, you know, I, I'm, I'm an incredibly privileged person to be able to have the choice to move rurally and to be able to work online during these extraordinary times. So, you know, my, my experience is, is not one that um, unfortunately many share. So I just want to acknowledge that first and foremost. Um, but I think that, you know, this, this idea of the importance of nature coming back into focus, I, I really do believe that that's the case. I mean, we saw the biggest environmental movement of all time led by high school students with, you know, up, upwards of 6 million people around the globe marching to acknowledge and, 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 um, and act on our, our circumstances with, with climate change. So I think it's, it's, un, it's undeniable that the focus has shifted and that the enthusiasm is there and that people are poised and ready to take the action that's necessary to, to restore our respect and, um, and reestablish our, our place in harmony with the natural world of which we are inextricably linked to because we are the natural world so we we live in these um urbanized settings um that are kind of devoid of of what we would consider to be natural rhythms and cycles in in the way that i mentioned initially that you know in nature there is no waste that the, the waste of um, leaf litter ends up being food for the fungal kingdom that transforms the uh, nutrients into micronutrients for the all of the um, bacteria and, and living organisms in the soil and that then in turn feed the trees again that grow the leaves and so the cycle continues you know we don't have we don't have that um, that closed circuit system in in an urban environment you know we have wastewater we have um, just rubbish. <laughs> um, so I think that these natural rhythms and cycles haven't been quite extrapolated into an urbanized setting and that I do see that a lot of people are becoming aware of the importance of, of, of wasting less, of utilizing resources more, of kind of even um, bringing that biomimicry which is looking to nature and, and attempting to recreate those um, those patterns and cycles of nature. So I do think that there is a great shift of um, remembering the importance of recycling in, in a broader sense of, of um, basically just not being wasteful and um, yeah, and, and, being, and being inspired by that, that true sustainability um, that, that nature provides. And in terms of a, a, a movement away from the city, I, I've, I read an article, to be honest, I skimmed an article um, on the ABC the other day that, that did talk about this kind of mass exodus of millennials into regional centers. And, you know, it's, I think it's a really important move for those who feel called to do it and, and um, have the means to do so, you know, because our, our farmers are having a really rough time, you know, not only have, um, you know, Western, uh, conceptions of, of farming 
really severely impacted um, the natural world. But now that our soils have been so depleted, um, now that the trees have been cut down, which has been brought up the water table, which has brought salinity up to the soils, you know, there's a lot of people in rural and regional communities that are doing it really tough because the impacts of, of our um, unsensitive farming practices have, I mean, I use the term unsensitive lightly, are quite frankly brutal farming practices and, you know, uh, just we're still deforesting in Australia at extreme rates, um, you know, f football fields per day. Um, so I think that there is, there's a really great movement out of, you know, quite frankly, sheer necessity in in some areas of rural Australia where people are now turning to practices like regenerative agriculture, which in, in some ways um, advocates for the re-establishment of natural forests in uh, in farming settings. And, you know, this is not um, or hasn't been the case up till very recently. You know, a lot of um, people were given property in Australia by the government on the proviso that they cleared it by 10% every year. So that drove wide scale deforestation in Australia. And that's how we have such enormous um, kind of grazing lands these days. So I think that there is a, a refocusing on the importance of having natural systems be a part of agricultural systems. And, you know, people are seeing incredible benefits and, and incredible returns and, and healthier cattle and, and more vital pastures. And just by integrating natural um, forests or, or native forests into, into the mix in, in terms of windbreaks and, um, you know, uh, riparian zones, which is protecting close to rivers and bodies of water. So I really do think that there is an incredible shift on many different fronts, whether it be, you know, managing wastewater more effectively in urban environments or re-establishing native forests in, uh, on farms. Um, I think that there is a really great focus of um, remembering how important a healthy, natural and biodiverse environment is. It's an all hands on deck scenario, really. We, we, we need to heal and repair this beautiful place as, as best we can. Um, so I think that people are finding as many different means as possible to do that in their own ways, whether it be, you know, having a blog about living a, a waste free life or farming in, in, you know, in a more sensitive and um, reciprocal way or planting native trees and, and um, re-establishing forests. So I do think that there is a really great turning towards um, re-enlivening nature. And, and I think that a lot of it is driven by, um, by necessity because there's, there's no way that we can escape the bounds of nature. We need oxygen to breathe. We need water to drink. And I think especially at this time during COVID and a lot of people not not being able to go to bars and to go outside to socialize and a lot of people coming coming 
and, and spending a lot more time with themselves and their families and also experiencing, re, you know, really great challenges. Our, our world has really changed this year. And one of the last places that we can go to is nature and, you know, getting exercise outdoors and feeling the fresh air and, and, and noticing our central nervous systems start to relax as we go out into green spaces. And I think that this, this time during Corona, while it's been unbelievably challenging on so many fronts and yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's been an undeniable shift in, in, in pace. I think as well, some, some one of the benefits that has come from it is that people are spending more time in nature and and for that I think that they're also having their own realizations of how important the natural world is and how much it provides us by way of of soothing our our um our mental landscapes as well Mm, yeah I totally agree it it has you know although been very intense and um you know all-encompassing this kind of few months of this changing landscape of like how we do things and what we can do. And um, yeah, I've definitely found the same thing happen of like really um, sinking into a slower pace. And I think it's a a really, really necessary process for all people to go through because I think a lot of society has been set up on a pace that doesn't actually innately resonate with people's pace and nature's pace, you know, like it's, it's a abnormally fast rate that everything has been moving at and um yeah so i've i've found definitely like the it's it also comes with discomfort for sure because you have to like i guess unlearn that capitalist pace a bit and um to start to kind of unwind from it but yeah definitely spending more time in nature helps you naturally do that and then obviously within that space yeah i i find um my, I want to make actions that are, and, and in all my choices through the day, just that, that are more aligned with, um, yeah, just consuming less, uh, being more, um, yeah, that they're more considerate of the natural environment. If I, if I, and I think that's a definite, definitely like a huge piece is like, how do we see, what's our relationship to nature? Like, how do you see nature? How do you, like what, what is it for you? Or like, you know, like, um, and I think, yeah, that's, that's definitely what we're seeing increasing in this kind of, I definitely find like, yeah, in, in our generation for sure. Um, just innately having, having that kind of connection to the natural world, um, can really, yeah, just very organically drive like your, all of your actions and decisions to be, more centered around that and it doesn't even have to be like a huge effort really it's just more like oh yeah I I don't really need that I don't need that you know I'm just gonna you know choose to shop you know at more local places you know you just kind of naturally are inclined towards towards doing these things and yeah like you said it, it is sad that it is you know it is now a necessity but I think it's all yeah it's also just a very natural um process you know when when you do have uh that kind of connection to the natural world and you see it as you see yourself as it you don't see it as separate from you um and yeah i think that's definitely a huge a huge process that um 
that humans need to um, deepen into. And maybe it's not the process that everyone's going to deepen into in this um, particular life, you know, like we can't, everyone's living out their own experiences, you know, and like you said before, with, with the privileged aspect, like we are so privileged to be able to move into places that are more natural and, and have the option to do that. And it's definitely, you know, been set up in a way that it, it is cheaper. It can be cheaper to live in, in small apartments in cities and, and this sort of thing, or like very small zoned urban housing rather than, you know, try and get a bit of land. And we have to kind of consider why that is too. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I definitely, yeah, that is a definitely an important piece. Um, and I think, yeah, it definitely connects also to our, our kind of connection to and, and treatment of uh, Indigenous cultures, obviously, and um, just that whole process of taking away land from people who, like, are innately so deeply connected to it and, and what that does to the psyche and what that does um, to that land, too, to, to not be tended in the right way. So, anyway, there's so mm -hmm. many... <laughs> I could go down so many tangents with that, but... Um, yeah, um, I just wanted to acknowledge as well that the importance of acknowledging that this land that we live on, that we, that I will speak from my own experience, that I love and appreciate and, and feel so nourished by, it, it belongs to First Nations people who carefully and intelligently were caretakers for this wonderful place and kept it in such amazing um vital balance for longer than I can even conceptualize. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, the work that Greenfleet intends to do and, and some of the work that we have done in, in the past has had First Nations people be intimately involved with, with the planning and, and the, um, the forests and, and the projects that we've, we've done. Um, there's more about, that that can be found on on our website for anyone who's interested. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely an important part of our work that we intend to have have a, a greater and deepening relationship with First Nations people because and Aboriginal Australians because it's it's their land and ultimately they, they have been incredible custodians for a very long time. So I think that it would be amazing if we could learn from them. Um, and in terms of um, if people were interested in uh, supporting Greenfleet or offsetting with Greenfleet, um, I guess the reason why I, I really felt to put this out as an offering to people is that I feel that it, it, facilitate, it has facilitated for me a lot of hopefulness when it comes to what do I do about climate change? You know, it's, it's such an enormous issue um, we've seen millions of people taking to the streets to identify it as an important issue. And activism is, I believe, the first step. Um, and then from the activism, I guess that what I feel the offering of Greenfleet is, is that it's action. Um, so Greenfleet really offers that, that practical and tangible climate action where we know that this amount of trees is gonna sequester this much carbon and this much carbon is related to this activity. So if you need to have a car, we can sequester that amount of carbon for you for that year by planting these native trees and restoring an, a native um, ecosystem while we do it. So 
um, one of the, the things I, I mentioned it earlier, but one of the, um, we call them products, um, one of the products that we've uh, recently developed at Greenfleet is the annual offset product. And it's a really, um, it's, it was a big step for us in, in creating it because we did quite a lot of work with um, Melbourne University at the Energy Transition Hub um, to go over data and, and, and really collect and collate information as to how to come up with the, the sums to um, depict what an annual offset is, because obviously everybody offsets different emissions or produces different emissions rather. Um, so how, how do we really quantify what, what the average Australian emits on an annual basis? And through our work with the University of Melbourne, um, we came to a number um, which is uh, 23 tonnes per person. And um, the way that we came to this number was by considering the annual off the annual emissions of Australia and then dividing it by its population. So what this essentially means is that it's the first product that we offer where uh, a supporter of Greenfleet can go beyond their own personal emissions and start to take responsibility for their part of the pie. So incorporated into this 23 tons um, and the 23 tons it amounts to 365 dollars a year which is very conveniently for a dollar a day um, you it accounts for um, domestic travel for a car for and for electricity and then the rest is of the inherent emissions um, that that play their part in keeping our the societies that we live in uh, functioning. So whether it be um, the building costs and the emissions associated with the materials for the buildings that we go to work in, or if it's the electricity that's required for the trams, or if it's the emissions related to maintaining roads or keeping lights, street lights on at night, that all of these, um, all of these activities and actions uh, have emissions related to them so this is the first product that we offer where people can start to to offset on behalf of the, the rest of australia and and, and on behalf of the, their their share of of the total emissions and it's it's pretty special because i think that a lot of um the despondency that i've personally felt comes with what i perceive to be political inaction on climate change and this is it's it's an it's an offer for um, or it's it's a way that we don't have to wait for governments to heed the call that we value climate action. We can actually just take the simple action um, of of offsetting ourselves. And so yeah, so that that annual offset is called Carbon Cover three six five, um, and and twenty dollars of the three hundred and sixty five goes towards Rimbaraya, which is an international organisation out of Indonesia that um, protects forests from deforestation. And and the reason why we donate to them within um, the annual offset is because climate change is a global issue, and we want to acknowledge that in Australia, it's you know it's really important to keep the action um, and to restore. Our, our native environments in Australia, because often, um, you know, there's there's a relatively more international um, uh, reforestation activities. 
And so we, we really value doing it in Australia, but by the same token, we are really privileged to live in Australia. And, and as an extension of that, we, we want to protect forests in, in other places that might not have access to the same amount of resources that we do. So it's, it's, it's a really effective and comprehensive way of accounting for our emissions and, and starting to do more, you know, and, and in, in that way, just taking one for the team. So <clears throat> we're about to launch um, our monthly annual offset. So it will be essentially like a subscription model where you'll pay $31 a month or a dollar a day to offset your emissions for that month. And I think it's a really nice idea because, you know, along with having um, a phone plan or a subscription to Netflix, we can also have a subscription to reforestation. And I think it's a really, um, it's a really important action that uh, I feel is, is quite accessible for me personally. It's also all, all donations or all offsets made with Greenfleet are tax deductible, which is great. So I think that a lot of people are, are recognizing that it's time that we take responsibility. And this is an offset that allows us to take, take the responsibility for our part of, of our country's emissions. Yeah. And it just, I think it, it does really um, hit home because it is so it's tangible too. And uh, uh, that's what I like, yeah, have kind of come to from this conversation for sure is that, yeah, it's, it's really tangible action. Like it, you know, the work that Greenfleet do is, is like, yeah, very tangibly having an effect on 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 the carbon that is like produced, um, and I think yeah, I can see why you've chosen, you know, from your studies to to really like go within this um, sort of sphere of like um, you know regeneration of of the earth. <laughs> You're able to really yeah see and like record <laughs> the. Um, yeah, the effects of it. Um, so I think that's really beautiful. And I, I think it's, it's awesome that they're doing the monthly membership because like you said, yeah, it's, it can just um, on a rolling basis come out of people's accounts and, and can just be like a similar subscription to what we do for our entertainment or something, but um, make it accessible for people to put their money where their mouth is in, in a way too, and, and, and allow themselves to be actionable in, um, yeah, in, in what they believe to be true about, you know, the regeneration of this planet. So, yeah, I think that's really beautiful. And I'll, I'll definitely share all the information to that um, in like the show notes and the description box here. So if people want to, are inspired to, to jump on that. I think it's a nice way for us to start to become better custodians of this place mm -hmm. is to is to have our efforts channeled onto the the soil that onto the landmass that we are connected to i think it's it's important um to yeah to to start to take responsibility and and to caretake for this place that we love yeah exactly because i think and i'm sure you know um obviously with studying this stuff it can get all like really intellectualized and like <laughs> um you know all of the like facts and figures and percentages and you know emissions and everything um when it's all like numbers it can kind of really i know for me as someone who um you know is a lot more emotive and feeling you know innately rather than more 
rather than the scientific or mathematics sort of side of the brain. Um, it, it, at least with, with this, it, like for me, yeah, hearing about it, it does, it, it really taps into, to that essence of, you know, knowing that that action has been taken and, um, yeah, that it is producing like really beautiful effects, um, rather than just being, you know, uh, like, yeah, like I said, intellectualized in a way that like we somehow feel powerless sometimes, <laughs> I think when we hear all of these kind of like, yeah, facts and figures about environmental destruction and, and also, yeah, just not knowing where to start. So I think, yeah, this, this membership is a really beautiful way for us to, to start to, to take responsibility for, um, yeah, like you said, not only our emissions, but um, on a on a collective level, just showing up for that. And um, mm. yeah, yeah, it's it's really true what you say. You know, it's it, it's it's overwhelming. It's mm. it's really it can be really really overwhelming, especially um, for millennial and, and and younger generations where we've had access to the information for such a long time. And we've also been aware enough to know that there has been inadequate action for a really long time. And that, that naturally mounts a sense of anxiety um, because we, we, need, we need to do it. It's, it's really, really important work that has to be done. And our generations are gonna be the ones who will, if we don't do an adequate amount of, um, you know, kind of proactive, help and healing and and limitation of emissions where we'll be the ones who will feel the repercussions of it in a really big way so I think that um I feel I feel grateful that that Greenfleet offers something you know for for people who are in urban areas or rural areas and just can't you know don't have the means themselves to to plant the trees and do the work I think that it's it's quite um yeah, it's, I find it really relieving and, and very hopeful. And, and like you say, simple, that, that climate action can, can actually be quite, quite a simple process or, or there's the option for it to be quite simple. And just on the note of help as well, I think it's really beautiful. Um, just as a little anecdote of one of our forests is that um, we have been growing forests for a few years now, about three years um, in Gippsland on a property that Greenfleet actually owns called Wanit Lang Lang. And we have seen the Strzelecki koalas return to that area and to the forest that we planted only three years ago. So I think that that's such a beautiful sign that nature actually, it, it regenerates quite quickly. You know, it's, it's in a way, I mean, nature has a, has a non-judgmental quality. Animals, plants, they, they are present to to what is and i think that it doesn't take that much um you know it takes effort but it, it's it's not an insurmountable challenge you know nature really wants to thrive it really wants to grow and if we give it the implements for it to do that it does its thing pretty quickly with a lot of flair and then we see these wonderful wonderful signs like koalas returning after a really quite relatively short amount of time you know three years is not very long so if we can see that kind of change in three years you know imagine what can happen in 20 and and if we start planting the trees now then then we'll have our generation will have a legacy in in very little time at all and it can be a positive legacy which i think is it's important to remember that we have that option to have to make positive change as well
Mm -hmm. Yeah. So beautiful. I feel like, yeah. Uh, and that's my intention too, that, that from our generation, we can all continue to grow up to, to be good stewards and to be, you know, a lot more, a lot more aware than our, than our ancestors um, about how to really, really walk with integrity and balance like on the earth, whatever part of the earth we, we um, are on. But yeah, the one that we choose to call home um, mainly, obviously. So yeah, I think there is such a beautiful movement happening towards us all being better stewards and better ancestors um, when we do pass to and, and yeah, like you said, just leaving a good legacy for, for generations to come. So yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful for all that you've shared. And um, was there anything else that, that you felt to, to share in this, um, in this conversation about Greenfleet or um, about this movement that's happening? Just in summary, you know, as, as somebody who has looked and felt really deeply into, into this climate challenge and into my love of nature and into my regret for the circumstance that nature finds itself in right now, I feel really grateful that there is hope. And that's what I want to share with our generation is that it might seem quite insurmountable, this, this great big challenge, but it's, it's one step at a time. It's one foot in front of the other. It's one tree in the ground. It's, it's, um, you know, one plastic package avoided. And even though it doesn't seem like much collectively and, and with this growing sense of hope, we can, we can do, we can do it we can find and remember a, a harmonious way to, to exist with our natural world. And it's not to say that there won't be challenge involved, but I think that simple change can be incredibly effective, especially when we do it as a collective and especially when we do it consistently over time. So like you mentioned about, you know, coming back to the slowness and the pace of nature, I think that 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 consistency and that and that that pace and that simplicity of nature can be a real teacher for how we can can find harmony again. And I really I didn't always believe it was possible, but I, I really do believe it's possible. And it's with, you know, with these simple yet effective tools like regenerating a forest that always wanted to be there. So yeah, I want to thank you so much for the time and for, for having me and for having this conversation. I feel like we meandered many different um, areas and concepts and I really appreciate having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. I'll, um, I'll leave all of the links to Greenfleet and um, how we can jump on the membership and just follow them online too, because they post a lot of beautiful updates on their Instagram. And um, yeah, so I'll leave, leave all of that in the description, but yeah, this has been such a beautiful um, eye-opening conversation for me too. And I'm really happy um, that we got the opportunity to sit down and talk about this, especially in a year such as this, where everything feels really intense and, and um, this is something tangibly that, that we can do to just begin to, to start to um, have, have more impact and, and know that, it's, that our money is going to, to good places. Um, yeah.
putting our resources where it matters. So yeah, thank you for articulating everything so beautifully. I really love the way that, that you speak and, and like your passion for this work just really shines through and it's really inspiring. So yeah, thank you again for, for everything. <laughs> mm, thank you as well. It's been really wonderful to have this conversation.